When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the Love of Pomegranate podcast is brought to you today in association with the Who Knows Wins app. Do you have somebody in your family or in your life who thinks they are the absolute Nostradamus of guessing all the scores correct and all the games, getting all the results correct on any given weekend? Well, the Who Knows Wins app will be a way of you calling their bluff. What it is, is it's a social sports game where mates, friends, family, colleagues, you may name it, can pit their wits against each other for real money, but most importantly, for the all-important bragging rights of being that person who knows just that bit more about sports than everybody else. Um, you can use the app for free. It is a free app to download from the iOS and from the Android store. Um, if you don't have a custom league that you've set up yourself, don't fear. You can always play in in-app leagues as well with the community that is there. And you can join one of those, just like this week's Pick 10 League has a £6,000 prize fund. That might be something that might interest you as well. You can keep on top of all the live action within the application with live updates and live score updates in real time, which is really, really handy. And so far, since its inception, over £2 million have been won on the application itself. Just a couple of things to mention too. You need to be 18 years or over to use the application. Application is available in the UK, so some of our listeners outside the UK may not be able to, to avail of this application. And lastly, please, 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 please remember to gamble responsibly. So thank you once again to Who Knows Wins application. And now, let's go back to the podcast. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, folks. And welcome to For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast with myself and Paddy. And we do have some stranger danger in the podcast today. We have, uh, that, the reason I've called this friendly fire is because uh, the wonderful Matt Hayes from um, from the Matt Hayes Tottenham blog is on with us tonight. Matt's a good good friend of the show. And, uh, you know, we're not going to bring him on and slate him or anything like that. So because of that reason, we've called it friendly fire. Because we want to see what the, what the feeling is in the Spurs camp at the moment. I know we've had Matt on previous on the podcast, and he wasn't as optimistic, I think, about about Tottenham's fortunes and favours uh, over the over the course of the season. But I I, I can only assume that's uh, that's changed since. But we will get on to you in a moment, Matt. I need to know what Teddy's got inside his cup first, and uh, how he's feeling today. <laughs> nah, nothing too exciting. Just a cup of tea. I'll have to prove this just to prove there's no beer in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Neil. I'm just I'm just in from. Kicking some young players around the pitch and feeling good about myself. So 
just just thankful I can still do it. Yeah, I very nearly. I threatened. I threatened to go playing to go playing again football tonight. Uh, go play again a seven side, but um, yeah, I think I can only get away with oh, the child is too young for for so long. I think it's it's coming close to its end now at this stage. Uh, so I might have to might have to dust off the boots and get back playing again. Um, I think my waistline will thank me for it anyway, if nothing else. But um, yeah, so we're here for a Spurs preview. Uh. There's uh, quite a lot going on in the world of football at the moment, so thanks to everybody for for tuning in here. I know that uh, Chelsea are having a torrid time of it against Real Madrid, and also Mr. Lampard isn't exactly going to be too delighted. And we're actually going to start off and talk about those, I suppose, realistically about Burnley and and and, and Everton, more or less in the context of Aston Villa, Paddy, just for the for the first maybe minute or so. I didn't expect Burnley to pull that result out for a three-two. I thought it was a two-two all day long, and even with even with Everton getting two penalties. They didn't look like they were up to much cough, did they, against uh, against Burnley at Turf Moor? Well, I didn't see too much of it, to be honest, but uh, I'd, I'd worry for Everton now, given the fact that we still have to play Burnley twice. So it's a guaranteed six points for Burnley. <laughs> um, yeah, look, they're, they're, they've obviously shown a bit of fight tonight because, you know, you would expect a bit of fight out of Everton, but it hasn't worked out that way. Matt, you've been watching that one, have you? Yeah, it was it was a really interesting game of football because Burnley they 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 came out the blocks very early on, um, and and they were playing quite well. They were they were causing problems, and it was typical Everton defending from a set piece that allowed Burnley to take the lead. But like once Everton got that first penalty, they they came back into the game and and really um, quietened Burnley's cough and went on and got that second penalty. But I think as much as Everton's equaliser changed the game in their favour, I think that equaliser for Burnley in the second half switched it the other way, um, and Burnley I think were, were good value for that victory in the end. It's an interesting one, though, because I think everybody's been just waiting for Everton to just kick into gear and put away from safety, put away from, yeah. from the danger zone. And when's it going to happen? You know, that's not exactly a cheaply assembled squad. Now you look at their back four. Back four aren't great. You know, they're, I, I, I don't personally rate Mason Holgate. I know Aston Villa fans don't personally rate Mason Holgate, specifically after Jed Steer stared him down. Um, that time it was Mason Hall get these stared down, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. And uh, you know, unfortunately, obviously they've got Seamus Coleman there, and you can see that Seamus Coleman is the weight of the world on his shoulders at the moment, and he's not getting any younger. And it pains me as much to say as, as a as an Irish football fan that uh, you know he's 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 coming to the end of the road after maybe that last injury and so on might have taken the last year or two of his of his career away from him. But you know, I've got Michael Keane there as well, who's um, not having the greatest season either. And, you just kind of you're you're really kind of wondering what's going to happen for them. Are they going to draw their way to safety? They're on tw- they've they've uh, played twenty nine games the same as Burnley. You now Burnley had a ton of games in hand at one stage, and they seem to have done something with it because now Burnley are just behind one point behind Everton at the moment, and uh, Everton are three or four points I think behind uh, four points I think behind Leeds at the minute as well. So. You know, it's uh, it's not it's not plain sailing. I think for anybody down there, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens uh, down there. But let's not. Um, actually, Rod says here. Rod makes a good point. Actually, Westwood dominated Everton's midfield, and that'll tell you something <laughs> about it. Considering they've got the likes of um, the Cura in there, they have you know Deli Ali is on the is on the bench for them, and I'm sure that's something that I don't know whether you're. Delighted he's on the bench for Everton, or that he's he's down in Goodison Park and not at 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 the Spurs Stadium, but uh, he's there. And you know they've got some 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 hardened internationals in that midfield, and and that's really what's not ticking for them because Andre Gomez, much nice, his hair is beautiful, um, 
he's sometimes his play hasn't been this season. Uh, well, let's get on to the game at hand. I tried to put it off for long enough. We're five minutes and six minutes into into the podcast, and I tried to put off talking about Villa Spurs because reason being is that I just have no idea what way this game is going to go. Well, I do know what way the game is going to go at the weekend, but I have no idea what what way Villa are going to play. I, I really don't. Um, my mindset and confidence has taken a bit of a battering over the weekend. It doesn't usually happen. It happens for you for a short period of every season. Maybe one game I get down, and I think this is my game where I'm feeling like, oh. Just get it over and done with so that we can move on to the next game because I just have zero confidence. And and Paddy, I'll start with you first. But like it's it's very usually you're the one who can't sleep for days after a villa loss. And now it's like as if I've just I've just stepped into the mantle for you because uh, I know you felt a bit indifferent because you didn't get to watch it in real time. Yeah, well, look, it regardless of what happened in the past, it's a completely different mindset going into this weekend. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, look, I, I never feel confident playing Spurs. Um, they've had they've had the run of the green with us over the last 10, 11, 12 13. Years. They've won eleven of our last thirteen Premier League. There's a couple, a couple of a couple of penalties through there, which probably weren't penalties. Remember Christian Benteke getting sent off for rubbing uh, Brian, what's his name's beard? I can't think of his name. Roy Mason, yeah, he rubbed his beard and had and got sent off for it. So, yeah, that side of me is, is is just sinking in now, and I'm not expecting much out of the game. But it it will be really interesting to see what way we line up because that's gonna that's gonna tell whether we get, we take a spanking or not. Because I think the way Spurs the way Spurs lined up last weekend, they could very well give us a spanking. Absolutely, that first half and and Matt, that first half I suppose against Newcastle, um was it was really kind of a feeling oh kind of experience and then the second half he just guys went to town and and Newcastle like it was it was a case where like you're wondering if Newcastle were going to concede once every six or seven minutes at one stage there and then they did plug the gap but at that stage Spurs were five one up you know but uh te- te- without talking about the game I suppose firstly take us back to to earlier on in the season Conte comes in um obviously you start off with Nuno and then Conte comes in and then like where did it all go right? Usually we stay, we sit here and we talk, where did it all go wrong? And no one ever asks, where did yeah. it all go right for you guys? Um, was it really the, just as simple as the, a good tra- January transfer window? Um, I, I wouldn't say it was, it was purely down to that, but it, it played a massive part. And the weird thing is there were so many players that, that we were linked to in January um, that, that just fell through when Adama Traore would be the biggest one. And then, you know, we were close to getting Luis Diaz in and we're, we're there with two days left in the window. We've we've no signings and we we managed to get those ones for Kulisevsky and Bentancourt over the line. Um, look, Neil, I know, I know you were a massive fan of, of Bentancourt before that. Um, I have to say you were absolutely spot on because he is a <laughs> That was my next question, Matt. It was, how right <laughs> was I about Rodrigo Bentancourt? Just to you, make you feel even worse. <laughs> you weren't right enough. He is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And he's, he's brought an air of calmness to our midfield, but... Look, early in the season, we all know how last summer went. You know, Kane wanted to go. We were missing out on every manager we wanted. And we we got a few deals over the line that haven't worked out as well as we wanted with Brian Hill, uh, Pierluigi Gallini, who looks like he's gone back to Atlanta. Um, But Christian Romero has been, he's a Rolls Royce defender. And I've had a lot of debates with, with fans, especially um, I don't know if you know Oscar from All East TV, but um, I do. about Ben White and about Ben White and Christian Romero. Um, I think Romero is better. Romero is absolutely incredible and has added such uh, a balance and a calmness and uh, the ability to distribute the ball to our defence. And 
when, when Conte came in, and I said it for minute one, and to be honest, I was saying it up until uh, Crystal Palace beat Arsenal on Monday, that I didn't think we were getting top four. You know, I thought we'd be there in the race, but I thought we just didn't have the depth in our squad and we didn't have the balance across that team to, to really push on and, and, and be that team to finish in fourth because Arsenal were so consistent. And I thought Man United under Ralph Rangnick would, would turn things around, but there's been a few nice bits that have come together. Um, a bit of luck along the way with other teams uh, not really performing well, but it's it's Antonio Conte and Fabio Paracci who have completely transformed this club in, in the space of six months with those signings and with the way Conte has, has built this team. And it's not been without his challenges. You know, uh, Conte had one game uh, under his belt at the club and Christian Romero got injured in international duty and he was out for two, three months. Um, he had, of course, Oliver Skip, who's been out for a while. It looks like he could really be out for the season with the way his injury is going. And these just different challenges we've had, simply not having a capable right back when Conte came in, but he's managed to turn Matt Doherty now into Cafu, to be honest. He's two goals and four assists in his last six games. Where's number 10 for Ireland? Tells you all, and you need to know. It it does. He's been uh, a revelation. Ben Davis in left centre-back, unbelievable. Um, it's just everything seems to be coming together and it's it's Conte and Paratici who who've managed to put the the stamp of of two men who have earned their reputation in football and are, are continuing to prove that. And look, I, I'm still not expecting us to get top four, but the very fact that I have to clarify that, considering where we were when Conte came in in November, I think just goes to show the, the miracles they've worked at this club. Yeah, and it's like, as I say, he's got... Okay, yes, he's brought in Bentancur, he's brought in Kudazewski, and but, but like, he's got the main... like. The, the core players that he has there were the same ones that Nuno had. And like, I think the, for me anyway, the, the, the master strokes he's played has been like, he's getting a tune out of Eric Dyer. Like I, we've spoke about this before. How many times has Derek, Eric Dyer been like two feet in a bin bag at this stage? And then all of a sudden he manages to crawl back out of it again. You know, he just, he's like, he's like the smell that won't die for, for, for Spurs. He always tends to come back and just, gets into that squad, whether it's a right back, whether it's a defensive midfielder, whether he's just like managers come and go and he is still there. And as you say, he's playing um he's playing there um at centre half for 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 Spurs now as well under under Antonio Conte, somebody who's famed for his his defensive football. And if he sees something in him, you know, it's just it's it's little things like that if you can get a tune out of players. And as you said there about yeah. Ben Davis playing left centre-back as well, not really something that would have been tried an awful lot with him in the last last maybe four or five years. I think he played a bit there for Swansea previously, but um, not something that he tried. But I think really for me watching Spurs, and I watched, I watched two games recently, um, yeah, and you know it, it does gall me that, that Bentoncourt is playing really well for you. But he's also in there beside somebody that I really, really rate as well, and that's Pierre-Emile Heiberg as well. So the two of those guys are just they're really calm. They're big, big men, and uh, mm. they can distribute the ball as well. And it just allows allows the two fullbacks to go forward and almost create five strikers when they need to uh, at times. So it's a, it's a luxury that you that, that Spurs have. And to be honest with you, it's a massive area where, where we have zero options, zero options that we can drop midfielder back in between our two centre halves and, and and allow people to go forward. And and that's what's really been catching us all season. Um. Paddy, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to be pretty straightforward, and I don't think I'm going to like the answer, but are we going to be able to, like, like it, it seems to always be the case that when Harry Kane steps on the same field as Tyrone Mings, that it never goes right for Aston Villa. Now, I'm not saying that Ming, it's Mings' fault or anything like that, but I think that there's a couple of players in this league that Mings kind of tries to get involved with and tries mm-hmm. to stamp his authority on, and it never fully really comes true, and it never fully really... Um, you know, we never go away, go away afterwards going, finally, he's after getting the, getting one up on him. 
are we going to look at another game where we're coming off the field and going, Jesus Mings, you shouldn't really, you shouldn't have been touched tight on Kane at any stage because, like, just stand off him. You don't need to go man to man for him because it hasn't worked the last four or five times to Jamaica. Yeah. Or do you think maybe that it's a better matchup for Tyrone Mings? Now? Finally, we might get it, get a matchup out of it. Well, I don't know. You, you, you mentioned these guys that seem to have the hex on him, and, he, and he's one of them. Uh, I went to the 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 away fixture earlier in the season at at uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and it, again, Mings Mings didn't have a good day. He, he, albeit, we only threw, like we, we got back into the game at one all, and then conceded an OG three minutes later, and Spurs just took the the foot off the gas again. But they were they were playing with us that day. We we couldn't we couldn't lay a glove on them at all. Um, we played for about five minutes, got a goal, and and then they 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 got a goal. But albeit an OG, someone would have tapped it in behind if memory serves me correct. Anyway, but it's uh, yeah, it's I, I just Mings has those players, and and you know what? You you're not taking him out of the team either because he, he's our captain, he's our leader, he's in there, he he does a good job. I'd, I'd still have him forced on the team sheet in in those centre half position. I I think the difference here is is how we handle um what's in front of him and how who we play at six, and also if we can hem them back by playing two up front. And I I mean two up front like two if we can get Ings back in. Note that like uh first of all congratulations to him. His wife had a, a baby at the weekend and that's why he was missing from from our team. I didn't realise it at the time. So uh, he'll he'll be back. So I'd like I'd like to see him and Watkins up front, uh, especially when we're up against a back three. I think we need two strikers up there, but I think this game will be won and lost at defensive central midfield. It might be a bit too early for Nakamba, but you know what I'm going to say here now, don't you? Callum Chambers needs to put oh, Callum Chambers in there. Give him a go. I knew yeah. it. You're going to say it until you go I'll be absolutely delighted if you put Callum Chambers in holding midfield because I, I reckon that's three points for us if that happens. Well, it's really three points for you anyway, I'd say, but at, <laughs> least, at least we can see what this guy can do. You know, we we know he had a really good season at Fulham playing in that position. I I, I think, you know, we, we've got eight games left or whatever it is. It's time to see what these guys can do. So put them in at this level and let them see. He's been really good for us. I don't know whether you're aware of that, Matt. He's, he's been really good for us since he signed. So, and then... Um, He's like our top scorer or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not joking. And for no reason, he was taken out of the team. So, uh, and then Konza had a a stinker, which led to a goal at the weekend. So, I'm not. I'm not saying replace him for Konza. I'm saying put him in there in the six, see how he gets on, and that's if we don't have Nakamba back to full fitness, which I doubt very much. Joe, actually, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of having. A defensive midfielder to to watch that space to patrol Kane because the, the the best example I can give of this is we beat Manchester City home and away this season which is ridiculous but when you played them at the Spurs Stadium on the first day of the season they they were tracking Kane they had Diaz and Stones and every time Kane was dropping deep for possession they had one centre back tracking him but when they did that Son was then able to spin in behind and that was an easy ball for Kane to play through when we you know we caught them out time and time again with that yeah. and we played them a couple of weeks ago. And they, they didn't track him. So they, they kept their, their back line fairly fairly secure and allowed Kane to get into that space himself. And with I think it was Roger is playing hole in midfield that day, you'd expect him to maybe patrol that area a little bit better. But when you're when your centre back set off and your your defensive midfielder isn't doing that work when Harry Kane is around, having him having time 
with runners in front of him is just as dangerous as, as leaving that gap in your back line. Um, so when Kane's in this form, I really don't think there's there's anyone who can't stop him or any particular kind of style or, or tactic to that you can employ to try and stop him. But I think your best option is to have someone sitting in that space in front of the defence because if either centre-back is even a foot out of position there, Kane will pick out that pass and he'll hurt you. And our yeah. centre-backs love to be out of position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm loving out of position at the moment. Well, I, I will say that when... When we do, and it's, it's it's literally this simple, and we're going to be blue in the face from saying it, but when we do have a good performance from midfield, our centre-backs do have good structure to them, but when we don't, they get dragged left, right and centre. Um, I'm Everybody knows I'm hoping to see Luca Dean is back there. I think he will be back in there in that, in that left-back position, um, like it or not. Um, with regards to why he went off the last day, I can I can empathise with it, um, and I'm not, not just because of my, my blinkered view. Um, but uh, I think we're going to need our back four. I think I think I think we need to get a draw out or something at the weekend. I've, we've said it last day. We need to we need to just stop the bleeding at the moment um, and get something f- that we're not entitled to essentially. Um, and that's really the theme of my thought my thought process carrying on from our review of the Spurs game. Um, like looking at the league table for yourselves, Matt. Obviously, you're you're occupying the lofty fourth position at the moment. Uh, when when I suppose when I look at when when I look at the like at like your goals for and your goals against, you know, I suppose when you look at that as a barometer, like you guys have scored fifty two goals, you've conceded thirty seven, and then when I look at Villas, we've scored forty two, we've conceded forty two. Like there, it isn't a million miles away from each other. I know it's ten goals more that you guys have scored, but then then yeah, you guys um, do have Harry Kane. Um, but uh, and sign as well in there, but like it's not a million miles away, and and like the points differences, like when you look at it, the points differences just don't correlate. They really just don't correlate. Like thirty six points for Aston Villa at the moment. We've been Jekyll and Hyde all season, and Spurs have just gone on a great run of form, and you're eighteen points ahead of us at fifty four points. Um, it just it shows that I suppose realistically, when you've got key players in key areas like the likes of Harry Kane and Son having a partnership up there, like we've no partnership up top. We've no partnership up top at all at all. And we've no real partnerships in midfield either. We've no clearly defined roles in midfield, I think it's fair to say. And um, if you if you don't mind me saying, I'm jealous as fuck because <laughs> you guys have changed manager mid-season and we've changed mid-season and we haven't gotten that, that stability that you guys were able to carry through from... Um, gosh, I can't even remember who was there before Nuno. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was Jose and then Ryan Mason. Jose, even, yeah, yeah, even coming from Jose to Nuno to to um, to uh, to to Conte at the moment, like the stability of of certain players in certain positions has stayed. Whereas we've gotten our stability of certain players in certain positions has stayed as well. But what we haven't got is we haven't got any partnerships over those years, and that's really what's what it's boiling down to. And people might be surprised to see how much Aston Villa spend during the outside of Aston Villa, that is, how much we spend this summer to try and get that right and rectify it because we're four years in with a lot of these players playing together and we're no further down the line of any of any coherent partnerships than we were four years ago. Uh, do you think that that's, a, that's been a big reason as to why you guys have been able to get it together so quickly under Conte is that it has been the same pool of players, more or less, that he's been able to pick from and they're players that have performed under previous managers as well. Yeah, I, I think Conte nailed the, the the process that he kind of undertook to, to try and get this team to a level of, of competitiveness that it's at now. Um, and the, the main thing that's that's really allowed us to push on in, in the last couple of weeks is that link up between Son Kane and even Kulazewski kind of getting in there. Mm. But we've also had the same back three. 
And when looking start of the season under Nuno, we were playing a four three three, which is possibly the worst formation you could play with the with the players that we have at our disposal. Um, Conte then switch it into the 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 five five two three five four one, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've had nine different centre back partnerships or trios uh, back there this season. I think it's the, the fifth highest in the Premier League. But the last eight games has been Romero, Dyer, and Davis. And I think with the way Conte did it when he when he first came in is he knew how leaky we were at the back. You know, the three games before he came in, we'd conceded three to Man United. Um, even before that, we conceded three to Palace, to to Arsenal, to Chelsea. We were we were shipping goals for fun, uh, as if it was nothing. And he came in, and the very first thing he did was he he got that defense, the five at the back, started implementing those tactics. But from minute one, he didn't go out to win games. He went out to not lose them. And when you have Kane and Son yeah. on the other end of the pitch, trying to not lose a game more often than not will get you three points. Because once you have that resilience, once you have that uh, that setup in place at the back to keep a clean sheet, you're bound to get something at the other end from from those two uh, producing that way. I remember our first game under Conte was uh, at Goodison Park. We drew in a lot. We didn't have a shot on target. And it was one of my favourite games from us this season because it was such such a shift from what we were used to. You know, We didn't have ball progression in the middle of the park. That didn't change. We really didn't offer anything going forward. But we were so so resilient to the back that you could see even from minute one that that progress that we had made and Conte managed to get that defense in place first 10 11 games in the league we didn't lose any and I think then when he kind of started to to allow us to be a bit more expansive when we were trying to catch teams on the counter-attack where previously we kind of we've been slow on our build-up play we were, we were going for the jugular every time we got in possession and I think that then committing the numbers forward and, and shifting that style of play we then went on a bad run because we were getting caught out at the back. We ended up playing Chelsea three times in January, which which wouldn't help anybody with the form mm. they were on. But we had those silly defeats to Wolves and Southampton. But now, as they're starting to get used to this new style of play, we're seeing that that progression now uh, in terms of the quality of, of the output. And we've won five and six, which I think for Spurs fans is probably better than we'd expect because we've had quite a few cup defeats in the middle of that. So I think what we're remembering for the last couple of months is a lot is a lot worse than what has actually happened in the the position we put ourselves in. But Conte has nailed everything, and look, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of what Gerard is doing at Aston Villa. Um, I think he, he's doing a really good job there. I know the the last couple of results haven't been too good, but you, you look like you're going somewhere now. And I think under Dean Smith, who I was also a massive fan of, I think he did great work at Villa. I think things have started to go a little stale there, but you could see when Gerard came in the impact that he have that he had, and there's always going to be that honeymoon honeymoon period kind of followed by a lull. But I, I think Gerard will do really good things at Villa, and it's only the beginning of of where this mm-hmm. club can go. Because I'm, I'm a fan of Villa, I'm not going to lie. Um, there's some really, really good players there, and I'd, I'd like to see you go on and, and be the kind of club that you have been in the past. Um, I think Gerard could play a big part in that. No wonder you're a fan of Villa. We just said you've won 11 of the last 13 meetings against yeah, that, Villa. Yeah, maybe that plays a part. Play, <laughs> if we won every, nearly every every game uh, as well. Um, but you made some great points there, I suppose, about um, about playing to the team strength, and, and I think. And we spoke about Jared, you spoke about Jared there as well. And look, there is a faction of fan. And at times I've kind of questioned, I've wondered, are we actually putting our players in the best position to, to succeed at this moment in time? Playing with the, when we played with the two nines, or sorry, the two tens at the start and things were going right. And then that was found out. I don't know whether it was found out or whether it was just, a, a, it just suited some games. Then we went back to playing with two tens and we were on fire there at one stage. We were scoring three against Leeds. We scored four against against uh, Southampton, and we re, we were like on the crest of a wave. And then things hit us again with a couple of injuries hit us, and Danny Ings wasn't wasn't in the team. And it, it's 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 just we've not been able to go on that run. And I think that like like we as you said there, Spurs are on uh, what five out of the last six. And I think yeah. that you know you get to a certain stage where by the wave becomes 
I'm not going to say unstoppable, but the wave of, of positivity will almost drag you over the line as well. And we've never gotten that long run enough, or that run long enough to be able to get over the line uh, with positivity because if, if we've won two or three in a row, we've lost five in a row then directly afterwards. And it's been so, yeah. it's been so helter skelter. Um, Paddy, how did like. I don't think any of us expected Leon Bailey, and and, and now we know that Ings, uh, Ings uh, had a child, or his his partner had a child at three o'clock in the morning. Yet he still wanted to play, but uh, Bailey was kind of like the the auxiliary striker that came in there. No one really expected that, and to be honest with you, I think deep down, no one really expected Sanson to start either. Um, do you think Stephen Gerrard reverts the type for this game? Or do you think he experiments again? Do you, do you think there's a possibility that he just experiments because there's nothing really to be lost from his point of view, considering he knows he ain't going to get sacked at the end of the year? Well, look, <clears throat> you know, I'm an advocate for, for mixing this up. I've said it in, in past episodes over the last couple of weeks. I wanted Sanson to start. I wanted him to get a run of games to see what he has. <clears throat> that was just my opinion. Has he earned a start? Yeah, well, obviously he has if Gerard put him in there. So, look, I think I think this is Gerard's most important team selection in a long time. The reason being, you know, you mentioned there they've won five out of the last six. They've scored 21 goals. And you also mentioned the goal difference. This has only come into play in the last six games that the, the goal difference has just gone through the roof. Um, the, the one game they lost in that was a 3-2 game against Man U. So, that, that, you know, you can, you can hardly say that was a, a blip. Like, that, that was a, a decent game as well. So... There's a lot of goals. We just have to be careful of how we're going to stop those goals. And I, I think the midfield has to be spot on. And I just fear you're going to see uh, our two eights sitting very deep. And it could be just one of those pack the bus games for me. And that's what I'm worried about. And that's what I was, I, I was actually going to get to that in a moment. Like, if there was a game that out of nowhere we would have got points from last season, it could have been something like this. Like, you think back to... Villa Arsenal last season mm. wasn't it? Watkins scored in the first ninety seconds, and we were backs to the wall. And I mean, we were so much into the wall that we came back. The after the game, we had to rip plaster off our off the back of our jerseys. That's how much back to the wall we were at, at at that stage. And you know, sometimes last season, specifically in the early part, we were able to do it, and we were able to do it, and we looked really structured, and we looked really well. And we're going to have the same players, bar Jacob Ramsey, who is is an upgrade on uh, on on Ross Barkley. And we're going to have Luca Dina, who's an upgrade on Matt Target. So yeah. realistically speaking, if we just park a bus of, of seven players there and leave Coutinho and uh, leave Coutinho to try and get some space and maybe try and draw the two boys out and obviously well, play with I two strikers it... and just hope for the best because we're going to concede. In, in mm. the eleven in the in the eleven wins out of thirteen, Spurs have scored two or more goals in every single one of those games as well. So like, if we think we're going to get a nil-all draw, we probably aren't. So, no. But I think <clears throat> I think it's, well, it's, it's, probably the, it's probably the way it's going to end up. Um, you mentioned upgrades. The key thing here is we, we beat Spurs with two games to go last season, but they've upgraded since then. They've not only upgraded the, the, the team that's on the pitch, They've upgraded the manager and got rid of Jose and they've gone through Nuno and now, now they're firing. They're absolutely firing. So it's uh, it's for me, it'll be backs against the wall and hopefully we'll hit them on the break. That is the only way I see us getting anything out of this. Um, Matt, what, like, we're spitting ball in here about, about that mm -hmm. possibility of 
Spurs throwing in a rick. And you'll be able to tell us better than anyone else, I suppose, because it just, like, that, uh, we're, we're kind of saying this hoping against all hope. And we're being honest. We're not just sugarcoating this because you're on the podcast. I think myself and Paddy would be, would be talking in kind of uh, hushed tones about, listen, look, I don't think we're going to get anything out of this game um, at the weekend, regardless of whether you were here or not. But Spurs just don't look like they're a team that are going to give away a silly goal and then kind of, or maybe go win it up and then capitulate and end up losing 2-1 against Aston Villa because of Conte. Am I right in saying that? Is, like, if this was, if Nuno was still there, I think that we would feel a bit more confident to maybe scrape in something here. Or even if we went down 1-0, we think, right, we might, we, we might still even be in with a chance here. But just because of Conte's, I suppose, experience and experience in Italy, Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that, that, like, even you guys are kind of feeling that that's less likely now, no matter who you play against? Absolutely. Um, Conte has com- completely transformed the, the mentality of, of of every single Spurs fan. And look, it, that's that's a probably a weird thing to say if to follow it up with. I wouldn't be surprised if he beat us, um, because Tottenham we're 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 in very good form. You know, like like Paddy said, twenty one goals in in our last six. After we lost to Southampton and Wolves, we had a negative goal difference back at the end of January, start of yeah, February. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. quickly how it, it's weird how quickly that is that has shifted. But if you want to be Tottenham, there's a very specific way that you go about it. And the first one is park the bus. Um, since we lost Ericsson, uh, or so since maybe the last 12, 18 months of Ericsson's time, we haven't had that kind of creative spark in the middle of the pitch that is able to unlock a defense when they're when they're sat so far deep. I mean, you look at every single one of Harry Kane's assists for Tottenham when he's when he's playing long balls, it's it's exposing a high line and we've paced running in. You know, as as gifted a footballer as he is, as fantastic he is on the ball and with his passing, he doesn't really have that knack in being able to pick out uh you know a one one player in the in the middle of four defenders. And I think you, you mentioned with the that Newcastle game on, on Sunday it was a lot of in the first half was us trying to like uh, kind of trying to figure them out. I do think that was it, but we also didn't have the quality to break them down when they were sat so deep. And I think if Aston Villa do that, that's 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 half the battle for you. The, exactly what I want is for you to come out and, and play attacking football and tr- to try to catch us out. And I think that that fear is there with every Tottenham fan still that a defensive team will probably uh, have a very good chance of getting at least a point off us. But I think with the quality that we have on the break and the 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 sheer brilliance of some of our players at the moment, like Kulisevsky, uh, Kane, Son, Bentico, Romero, um, even even Ben Davis, the way he's been the last couple of weeks, I think we're, our focus has kind of shifted, but the the fear and the the spursiness is still, uh, is still very much a thing there. And ultimately with Tottenham in, in the time that I've been supporting them, which admittedly is, is a lot less time than uh, many Spurs fans that, that could say this, but when we get into a position when success is is, is right there for us or it's, it's within our grasp, I mean, at the moment, because we still have to play Arsenal, if we win every game the rest of the season, we get top four. That's the point where we mess up. That is always the point where we'll go out and we'll drop silly points, we'll make silly mistakes. And I could give you an example from every single season where I've supported Tottenham. I mean, the biggest one is, is that Leicester or that game at Stamford Bridge the Leicester season, um, the year after we were chasing Chelsea, we went to West Ham uh, and lost a stupid game by a goal to nil. So if there was a time where Spurs were going to lose this form or a time where we were going to mess up, it would be Saturday against Aston Villa. And for you to catch us out, and I'm going to say this, I said it before we played Southampton um, with with James Ward-Prowse, if you're going to break us down, if you're going to get a goal, it'll be Philip Coutinho in the half space on the right-hand side into Ollie Watkins at the back post. If you go with that, you will score. Um, Christian Romero is not good in the air. 
uh, as incredible as he is elsewhere, he's, he's really, really poor. He won only one of five aerial battles in the game against Newcastle. Um, and uh, on the flip side, he pocketed St. Maximum, which is uh, an incredible feat. Yeah, but he's up against Chris Wood, I think, wasn't he, in that, in that game as well, who not many yeah. people... Did Chris Wood play? That? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And he, he had a couple of chances as well. But what, as, as fearful as he are of, of your midfield, when we're lacking Oliver Skip, there's this lack of defensive awareness in there. And it's those half spaces, those pockets where we're always hurting. It was Ward-Prowse when we played Southampton. It was uh, Ruben Neves when he played Wolves. And what, what tends to happen is those two players in our Hoybier and Bentoncourt, they're so focused on kind of pressing the defence when they're in possession that they leave those gaps and you get into that space. And then what happened time and time again was, let's say Coutinho gets it in that right pocket. You get Ben Davis is dragged out of position uh, and he has to go and close down that space because you can't leave a player mm. like Ward-Prowse or like Coutinho with that space. And the whole defence ends up shifting across. So you've Dyer across to the left, Romero into the middle. Then you've Emerson Royale or Matt Doherty at the back post trying to defend against a striker like Ollie Watkins. That, that's only going to go in one way. Um, and, and that is a fear that I, I can guarantee every Spurs fan has. And if you get a goal, if you get an early goal and you park the bus, we will struggle to break you down as we would against any team. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say we're absolutely going to beat you. Um, I, I always fear playing Aston Villa uh, for some reason with that record. I, I wouldn't know why I do, but um, there's, 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 there's points there for you, just whether or not you'll, you'll approach the game in that manner. And I think my fear for you would be that Gerard would try and play that expansive football and, and try and maybe prove a point. Um, if you do that, we we could score any number, um, mm. but it, it's it's definitely not as clear cut as as far as just going to get the three points. In my opinion, you you've answered actually a question I was going to ask you. Well, it was my next question for you was with regards to Heiberg and Bentancur. Do you think that the Conte is trying to? I'm not going to say recreate the Suchek and Rice, but I think it's the I think it's the closest partnership within the Premier League that will beat the Suchek and Rice uh, in there. And and you can you answered my question. You said that they that they probably aren't because those two guys are absolute shields, and then they move forward. But you were saying that the Betacour and Hyberg are more pressing in midfield, mm-hmm. and they press the defense in, in that aspect. And that's probably why they have the likes of Eric Dyer in there. Because look. I know I started off and say in, in, in talking about Derek Iyer, Eric Derek Iyer, Eric Dyer, but he can step out of defence as well. You know he's used to playing with ball his feet at, at defensive midfielder as well, so um, he can kind of play play that, that bit far far forward as well. Um, it'll be interesting, and and you you've kind of hit the nail in the head with with, with us as well. But Paddy, you'll agree with me that you know in the games that we've played turgid and really poorly in since the turn of the year. Coutinho hasn't been able to get in the ball. And in the games that we've played brilliantly in, you look at Southampton, you look at Leeds, Coutinho was just all over the place. He was brilliant. He was he was like, he was that 100 and whatever, 100 plus million pound player in those games. And you mentioned about if we can get him into those half spaces and get him space in there. I genuinely don't even know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're going to do that because I think that it depends very much on, like, like sometimes our team don't even focus on getting him the ball anymore, which is really kind of worrying and really strange, specifically in the last three games, because it's a case of pass it to Philly Coutinho as opposed to let's get let's work the ball into an area where we can move Phil into where he's dangerous. And it just shows a kind of a lack of footballing intelligence from the rest of the team around him. And that's something I thought I think I saw at the weekend, Paddy. Am I making yeah. sense or am I kind of talking around in circles there? <clears throat> but I think I think the difference in, in the games that you mentioned, we played a high line. Our, our two eights got forward or forward, and as a result, there was yeah. plenty of space there for, for Coutinho. Um, and and above all else, there was two up top. So when you have two up top, 
there's a lot of people occupied, so there's no there's nobody stepping out to pick up Coutinho. There's no extra man picking up Coutinho. So that that's what we have to do. Unfortunately, we play a high line and our two eight bomb on against Spurs. We're we're gonna ship three or four goals, and and they've goals coming from everywhere. They scored five goals last week, and five different goal scorers, and none of them are Harry Kane. It's crazy stuff, like absolutely yeah. crazy. So yeah, I I I have an irrational fear of Spurs. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's rational <laughs> after all the stats we've uh, we've we've listed off. Um, I think since the nineties they've 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 kind of had one over on us. Um, but that great day when Alan Wright scored that goal at uh, Oyhart Lane. Still, it's still, still rising. Still long in the memory. <laughs> um, but since then we just we just seem to roll over and have our bellies tickled by them and. It was the same. It was the same as at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier in the season. We, we they didn't even have to go to tour gear. They just, they just motored along. Got picked picked their chances when they got them. Stan uh, had a quiet game. Kane had a quiet game, and they still went and beat us. Yeah, and, and we we actually came back from one down to draw it up, and then four minutes later, Manny yeah. Target puts it in the back of his net. You know, so yeah, for that, that it was a frustrating one. And it was even at that stage, Paddy, where I was getting direct messages saying to um, get you on some sort of no-fly list or something so you couldn't go to games because you had been <laughs> at the Wolves game a couple of weeks previous to that. But uh, it didn't work well, out Wolves anyway. Wolves was after that one. Wolves was after it, was it? Yeah. I remember it was a fantastic day. You, were set, you sent me a photograph in the stadium and it was an absolute... Stadium looks great. I know some Spurs fans don't really like the new stadium and maybe... You know, the, the bit more traditionalist and the fact that it was built for a completely different reason, Matt, and you'll be able to talk to me on this one. But some of the photos you sent me, Paddy, were absolutely like they it looked. No, it could have been that it was just an absolutely gorgeous day, but it looked smashing. It really did. Yeah. It was, well, it was a beautiful day. I think it was the second or third of October, and it was the last of our summer's afternoon. I watched the game in short sleeves. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible stadium. The only one criticism I'll have, Matt, and I hope you don't take this personally. Is Be careful. The, fans are, the fans are just too quiet. Sports fans, sports fans, even historically, I've never been in an atmosphere with sports fans, and it's going to take a while for it to settle down. Look at him disappearing under the table. <laughs> We're here to make it friends. Is, it we is. said friendly fire, Paddy. We said friendly fire. Didn't we? <laughs> but it is it, it, a new stadium takes time to settle down. You know, uh, we we were sitting in the very last seat, and the sports fans were across the. I don't know what kind of a divide it was, kind of a mesh. And I was talking to the guy, and he and he said to me, "I I was sitting in the middle of all my friends behind the goal, having great fun every week, and now I sit here, and it's he just no atmosphere. They they scored, and you know when they score a Villa Park, we're still jumping around five minutes later because we just can't believe we scored. Sports <laughs> were just back to normal in in ten seconds." Um, and, and I'm not criticising. It's going to take time for, for that atmosphere to be created in the stadium. But I think if it gets to that stage, it will be a cauldron of noise. I don't know whether the fan base... Well, there's a lot of a lot of young people there at matches as well. So I, I think as they start to find their voice, it will be it will be a cauldron of noise. And I know they've experienced it at the American football. They, they, they experienced a tremor, didn't they, outside the, the mm. stadium? Or mm. something was picked up outside the stadium during the American football. So there's great potential there. The stadium itself is absolutely fantastic. It's a glorious place to watch any kind of sport. And uh, it's a joy to watch your point being filled from the bottom as well. 
That's the best part, isn't it? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. How do you do the two part pour if you're going to fit it from the bottom, Patty? If it's a pint of Guinness, well, they're no Guinness. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you definitely have no Guinness. If you're filling it from the bottom and they left a bit at the bottom that wasn't full, now that would impress me. And then it filled then from the bottom <laughs> still. So, you know, if it just pushed everything up and then kept the little buffers on, I don't know. I don't know what way it would work. Then you got some sort of an upside down pint. That would impress me. Um, Let's look at a couple of comments because I've completely neglected our wonderful watchers and, and listeners today. Um, Supi Mark uh, says, I'd like to see Chambers giving a go there too, just to see what he can do in reference to, to the defensive midfielder situation. I, th- I think maybe his, his height in midfield would be a big, a big plus for us. And maybe his mobility won't be completely and utterly showing up there as well. But, um, you know, if he gets around the edge of the area and if he scores a goal like he did against, uh, like he did against, um, like he did against, I'm blanking. Hit me out, Paddy. Um, if he scores a goal like he did in the last goal, Leeds. he scored. Leeds. Leeds. Yeah, well then, uh, well then, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. Uh, Cloudy with a chance of UFO says he thinks the starting 11 should be try out Martinez, Cash, Mings, Dina, and Chambers as a back four. Uh, Sanson, Luis, and Nakamba, if he's fit, Coutinho, Bundia, and Ings, um, then up top. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if Nakamba was risked for this game. I think we might see him against Leicester, though. Um, and uh, but but it's nice to see him come back. It's nice to see him get minutes at the, during the during the week as well. And he nearly scored, um, which uh, isn't something that you often see with marvelous Nakamba. Um, but, 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 where are we? There's a couple of people picked up on my Derek Iyer, which is great. <laughs> Uh, I think someone mentioned there a moment ago, yeah, that I've just cursed us that Dyer is going to score now. Um, well, we'd see, don't worry about hopefully, it. Hopefully, <laughs> don't, Matt, yeah. just don't worry about no, no. it. The, the only, this is, it's, it's, it's outrageous to say this, the only chance Eric Dyer has of scoring is from a direct free kick. Um, but that won't happen because Harry Kane, who is the worst free kick taker I have ever seen, insists on taking all the free kicks so if, if, if we're attacked at any point give us a free kick anywhere near the box because i can guarantee you kane will put it in the wall or in the stands um you need to watch out for our free kicks so i was just about to say <laughs> you haven't seen douglas louise you haven't seen Douglas <laughs> Louise take a free kick well i look forward to it but yeah i uh, know he's not that bad he's not that good either uh kieran says if we go behind early i fear we will just cave in and, and you know what that's that's a that's a, a pretty valid fear because we've when we have gone behind in recent games, specifically to teams I think that we deep down don't think we can beat, it hasn't really happened for us. You know, mm-hmm. look at Arsenal. Arsenal to me is one that smacks of it. Um, we go one one nil down against Arsenal, and we tried to catch them late in the game, but really up until the last five ten minutes, we didn't. It looked yeah. like we didn't even think we could get something back in the game, and that's that's a worry for me. Um, just with what, when you look at leadership. With what Kieran says there about going behind early. I, th- I think that's vital if we're to have any chance in this is that we keep it tight early on. Because bear, bear in mind, it's a half-five kickoff, which is traditionally a really good atmosphere of Villa Park. So if, if we can keep it tight, get the crowd behind us, then things might change in our favour. I'm still not holding out any hope. I'm clutching at straws with that one. But um, I, th- I think that might be a slight mitigating factor in this that might give us a little bit of hope. Um, like I love a half-wife kickoff. I think it's fantastic at Villa Park. It really gets rocking. There's plenty of people out all day with with a good few points on board, and yeah. it's noisy. So hopefully that will be the case on Saturday. Cash versus Son battle of the day. 
What do you think? I'll leave that up to the two of you from either side <laughs> of the fence. To be honest, I think there's a lot of good battles all over the pitch. Um, so I mentioned there as well, uh, Dinye against Kulisevsky, I, I think would be a very interesting one. Um, that midfield battle too. I, I think that it's it's set up very interestingly, even though, and I, I know you won't mind me saying this, but there is a, a gulping quality amongst a lot of the players out there. I think it is set up stylistically for a lot of players to to um, have those inter- interesting battles. Like I mentioned, even Watkins against Romero um, will, will be a fun one, but... It, for Cash against Son, I'm I'm back in Son every day of the week and that he's when when he's on form, he's he's one of the best in the world. Um he's joint top scorer joint second top scorer in the league this season. Had a bit of a bit of a dodgy period um for the last couple of games, but he's him and Kane are, are firing now. So I think Son will probably get the better of Cash, but it'll be a fun watch for sure. He doesn't have any international um military service or anything like that he has to do maybe just over the weekend you know what? maybe he mightn't he might <laughs> have to show up what's very interesting about that is he completed it yesterday his last bit of community service <laughs> yesterday so and there was me just, just, to go. just frivolously well, trying it out there I didn't maybe know he should just go celebrating the fact that he's finished his community service <laughs> celebrate with a hat trick <laughs> Most fellas who come back from, from active duty with Ireland as well, just they're going to be here for the week. So maybe he's just going to be here for the week. That'd be great. <laughs> he'll, he'll enjoy it. He'll enjoy himself. I'll suggest it to him. Do suggest it to him. Slide into his DMs. Tell him, tell him I said so. Um, right. I don't feel any better anyway, Matt. Thanks a million for making me not feel any better about the game at the weekend. But uh, in all best. seriousness, uh, thanks a million for coming on. It's, uh, it's always great to chat. And as I say... Um, you know, as we're kind of coming to the end of the season, we're going to try and have a couple of more um, fan views on uh, with regards to the teams because, uh, as I say, it's, it's it's interesting. Otherwise, you'll just have myself and Paddy going on. Paddy will be giving out about refs. I'll be giving out about about uh, about midfield spacing and potentially uh, rotations at left back. And, and, and you guys just, there's only so much of that that you guys can listen to uh, between now and the end of the season. But, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight and, and popping on. Um I, 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 if you want to tell people where they can find you, I know Matt doesn't just do Spurs stuff from time to time. You'll see Pat will do our Matt. Pat, what am I doing? First, it was Derek Geyer. I was, I, I, I'm Pat getting all tongue tied. Uh, Pat Hayes. Pat Hayes is, a, is that's a milkman. That's like, like, like uh, I think there was a milkman at home called Pat Hayes or something like that. But, uh, Matt, where will people find you? Guess they want to check out your stuff. Uh, yeah, look, if, if you want to see a Spurs fan crying um, regularly, uh, my YouTube channel is, is Matt Hayes Tottenham Blog. Um, I'm not doing too much on there at the moment, um, but if you want to see a Spurs fan crying through written form, uh, you can follow me at Twitter or on Twitter at Matt Hayes THFC. Um, and thanks a million for having me on. That's always always a pleasure coming on here and yourself. So I'm not in the chat. I try to do it in the comments as well. Um, so everyone make sure to, to smash the subscribe button for this channel too. Excellent. Cheers, thanks Matt. Very much. Thank you. Uh, for everybody, the team sheet tantrum. I'm trying to, we're, we're, we're going to be doing a takeover of the Villa View at the weekend as well. Look out for the socials as well. It may be running on both channels uh, this time uh, over the weekend. So uh, keep an eye out. I will announce on Twitter because uh, I don't know. Is it that fancy that I should announce it? Either way, I will announce it on Twitter, whether you like it or not. Um, but we will be doing a takeover of the Villa View again at the weekend for the team sheet tantrum. And Paddy will be there with me this time. Um, over the weekend as well so I hope to see all of you guys there uh, that would be on Saturday as game is a half five game if I'm not mistaken Penny. 20 past so 4 20 past 4 we will be going live with our team sheet tantrum tomorrow now world famous team sheet tantrum I think we can say that considering we have people who tune in from New Zealand Australia Brazil uh, Japan uh, we, we, we did it one day we did a roll call in it one day and there was like something like Wexford 14, 
Wexford, yeah, there's people from Wexford even. That's uh, a big one. 14 different different exotic locations in there. So I think I'm going to call it our world-famous team sheet tantrum. Um, well. But we'd love to see you there, guys. Really, really appreciate everything you do for the channel. As always, as Matt said there, give this give this uh, show a like, give it a thumbs up, and share it on, on social media if you can. It'll really do us a, a massive, massive favor. But once again, thanks to Matt. Thanks to Paddy. Thanks to myself. Thanks to all of you guys for watching. We will be back on Saturday with Team Sheet Tantrum. And Matt, you can block your ears because next thing I'm going to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.